Good morning, everyone. Glad that you are here. Um, we are both this week and next week going to do a review of the Gospel Project, and uh, I hope that that is a, a something that you really enjoy. I think it's a, a tremendously worthwhile use of our time, obviously, otherwise we wouldn't be doing it. So let's pray. We'll talk about it for a while, and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning in Sunday School. We thank you very much for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you have drawn our hearts to this place today. Father, as we walk through the Old Testament, I pray that you'd give us understanding, give us remembrance, give us wisdom, that we might see the big picture, that we might understand, that we would be overwhelmed a little bit more at you and what you do and how you work. Father, we thank you that we've been able to study these things um, so well for so long that we can know and we're glad that you have given us the Bible so that we can know. So, Father, I just pray that you would teach us and that this would be an incredibly wonderful and useful time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what this is, is, uh, and why don't you go ahead and kill the spotlights up there too, please. Um, wow. What, what this is, is uh, these, are the, these are all the cards that are down the hall. And we've done this before a little bit, um, and we've looked at, at this uh, with both the Old Testament and we did a little bit of the New Testament. So we're going to do the Old Testament today. Tomorrow will be the New Testament. These are all the cards that are down the hall that, that, that the children have received every um, week for this three-year adventure called the Gospel Project. And, and uh, you guys know we've done this before, and so you know what this is all about. So what we're going to do as we go through this is... Um, it would just throw me to no end if the answer was shouted out every time the card came out. There's the card. Somebody shouts out the answer. I would be really happy about that. But I've been in ministry for a really, really long time, and so I'll be fine no matter what happens, okay? And, uh, but you can talk to me as much as you want. Um, hopefully you'll talk a lot, and, and we'll go through this. There's a couple of things I want you to look for as we do this. I want you to see the flow I want you to see the basic idea of what God is accomplishing here. And I want you to do your best to see if you can see where Jesus Christ is presented in a unique way and how um, from the stories it was tied in. We're not going to tie that in with every single slide, but I want you to think about that because that's obviously the big picture and the big idea here. Okay. So as we began, we began with God the Creator was the first thing. And then, of course, the first thing that the Bible says is God did what? Created the world. And here's the thing. All right, let's review. And I'm going to put the answers up so that we're not stumbling over it. All right. So this is what he did. He did it in this order. On day one, he did what? Light. Day two, he did what? Sky and the atmosphere. Day three, he did what? Dry land, the seas, and all of the plants. Day four, sun, moon, and the stars. Day five. The fish, the sea creatures, the birds. Day six, land animals and man. And day seven, he rested. All right. The Bible says that God created the world. The Bible says that he did it in this order. And the Bible says that then he also did what? He created people. He created Adam and Eve. Okay. Listen, if, if you don't embrace that foundational truth, you're going to be in trouble already. Okay. It's just bottom line. I read an article the other day, and, and I have a lot of I have kids in here, so I can't be too cynical. I have to be very careful. <laughs> this isn't my normal adult class, but um, I read an article the other day that they are suggesting that they know exactly how Earth began because a, a meteorite collided with it, and in meteorites, they've discovered that it has something that would have been the basis for life, and, 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 and they, they are saying that that happened, you know, the 400 million years ago or whatever it was. It's amazing to me when you read articles like that, what are they going off to figure that out? Imagination. Imagination. That's exactly what it is. They're just making it up. They don't know. Okay? When we talk about the fact that God created the world and that he did it in this way, and that Adam and Eve were the first people, what are we going off of? The Bible. We are believing the Bible. 
And the reason why that's important is because if you're going to reject this at the beginning of the Bible, when we get to some other things in the middle of the Bible or toward the New Testament, why would you believe that if you don't believe this? Okay, here's the deal. Either you buy it all or don't buy any of it, okay? At least be intellectually honest and say you're not God. And if God's going to be the one who's going to give us the book, I'm going to believe that God wanted me to know the book. Not parts of it, not some of it. It's not that God said some of it's a pretend, some of it's real. Oh, wait a sec, that's just almost, maybe that might have happened. This really did happen. God didn't play those kinds of games, okay? So we need to believe that God created the world, that he created it in six days, and that Adam and Eve were the first people and everybody came from Adam and Eve, okay? And we believe that, and in fact, in Hebrews it says, we believe that God did that by faith. But our faith is not some sort of just a blind, oh, I got to believe something, so I guess I'll believe that. God has proven himself over and over again. His faithfulness has shown himself to us over and over again. And so we can believe what he says about those things that we can't see with our, hand, with our eyes, okay? So our faith is based upon things. So this is an incredibly important thing, and, and, and we live in a world that rejects this and looks for all sorts of reasons for us to reject this. This is a firm, important thing, that God created the world and that mankind came from one couple, Adam and Eve, all right? Incredibly important, okay? All right, yes, sir. Absolutely, you have to do something. No. God, God said it, we're going to believe it. All right, next thing then is right after he created man, what happened? Sin into the world, all right? And what was the basic sin? What was the issue? Disobedience. They were told, you can eat of all of that, don't, t don't eat that. And what they do? They ate that, and sin entered in the world. And, and we live in a Genesis 3 world from that moment. So the big thing that happened when sin entered the world was what? What's the one big important word that you would say? Death. Very good. And the Bible defines death as separation. Okay, that's important to know. And so the Bible defines death as separation. So when we say death took place, what was the separation? Man from God. That's exactly right. Sin entered into the world. And we've been living in this world ever since, and we've been wondering what's going to happen next ever since, right? So after that, there were a couple of guys that we were introduced to, Cain and Abel, and what happened with them? What? Murder. That's exactly right. One of them killed the other one. All right? We learn about sacrifices here, and we learn about the fact that sin is out there. And it's amazing how quickly sin can do some terrible things in our world, right? And right away we see sin was entered into the world, okay? Then, because sin got so bad, we have another remarkable thing, and it was what? Noah and the ark. And what do we learn from Noah? What's the big over, over well, there's a couple, but first of all, the historical big thing we learn about from Noah is what? He was righteous, yeah, absolutely. What else? Okay, the historical thing that we learned. Worldwide flood. Okay, worldwide flood. Now, why is that important? God's judging sin, and the other reason why it's important that we understand there's worldwide sin is because that explains much of what you see in this world about the geological table. Worldwide flood. Remember when I brought back that... Um, that rock that had the uh, fossil inside of it from the Himalayas that I showed you guys, okay? It's in my office. They found that up in some of the highest mountains in the whole world. What does that teach you? There's a worldwide flood. Something went on, okay? So that's an important thing. But then we learn a bunch of other things. We learn that God's judging sin. We learn about righteousness. We learn about God's work with humanity. We learn about God's love. We learn about a whole bunch of things with this whole thing. But one of the important things is the worldwide flood. That's another thing along with creation that, that people outside of Christianity tend to say, ah, come on. Really? Yeah, really. A worldwide flood. God made it happen. Okay? And we believe that with all of our heart. The other thing that happened that was incredibly important is that God looked around and he saw sin and he saw that sin was so bad that he judged except he didn't judge with death everyone, did he? He kept some. 
And that's a, a lesson we learn from God from the beginning is that God is always going to say there's a remnant. There are people that belong to me no matter what is going on. Okay. Then the next thing that we learn is, is this one. It was called the Tower of Babel. What was the big thing that went on there? Yeah, they weren't dispersing. They weren't going anywhere. So how did God encourage that process? Yeah, he changed the language. So it was one of those things, and if I knew multiple languages, this would really be cute, and I could do this, but I don't know any languages, and I struggle with English. So you're working on the tower, and you say, could you hand me the brick? And the guy below you says something to you that you don't understand. And all of a sudden, mass confusion, right? And so they separated, and we understand that that's where the languages came from. And what was the deal that was going on at the Tower of Babel? What were they doing? They were trying to reach and become like and rebel against God. That's exactly right. And it's amazing that we see over and over again the sin issue, that they're becoming, wanting to become like God, wanting to become like God, wanting to become like God, not willing to accept the fact that I am the created one, you are the creator, and I need to worship you. That is the battle all the time, and we see it throughout the Bible, okay? All right, then, oh, sorry, I don't want to speed by these. Then the next thing that went on was God the covenant maker. And I talked about this a little bit last week, that a covenant is more than a contract. And generally speaking, in the Old Testament, we see that covenants were, were confirmed by blood, by a death. And God made a, a, a contract that was unbreakable. Okay, God said, this is what I'm going to do. And so we see then that God began to take these people after the flood, and he began to make a nation of them and a group of people. And so immediately we're introduced to this guy, and his name is? Okay, Abram, changed later to Abraham, that's exactly right. What was God's basic covenant with Abraham? There was a handful of aspects to it. What were some of them? I'll make you a nation. That's exactly right. There was another aspect to it that is incredibly important. Who knows it? All the world will be blessed through you. Very good. And one more, a physical aspect of the covenant. The land. This will be your land. Okay, and that's an incredibly important thing because when we look at the difficulties and the tension in the Middle East, what does it go back to? God's promise to Abraham that you'll have this land. Okay, that's exactly what it is. Why is it that, that, that the, the nation of Israel fights so regularly and so hard for the land? Because of this. God said it's yours, Okay. And by the way, God has made that happen and protected them for years over that, hasn't he? So God said that people are going to be messed. And so we sing that little song that says, Father Abraham had many sons. That's exactly right. We do that because it goes all the way back to covenant because what happened was Abraham was the first person that is recorded in Scripture who did what? Believed and it was accounted to him as righteousness. God said, you've believed, and I make you righteous. Now, it's not, it wasn't the first person that that happened to. It was the first time it was recorded in Scripture that we understand it. And so we understand that that's exactly what is going on in our life today, is that Jesus Christ has made us righteous because we've believed in him. Okay? Yep. Unconditional. That's exactly right. And that's an important thing, Daryl, that it was unconditional. Because some of the covenants were based upon some things. This one was, it's going to happen, period. That's exactly right. So God then tested Abraham. How did he test him? Sacrifice your son. That's a pretty serious test. Okay? And what, and, and what was the kind of the main thing behind that? I mean, there was a handful of things that we can learn. But there's a few things that are incredibly important in this story. And one of them is that the big question that God was asking Abraham was what? Do you worship provider or provision? Well put. Good for you. You're a good student. That was very good. Do you worship, do you worship provider or provision? I like that phrase a lot. Do you worship provider or provision? And the, the fact of the matter is that phrase, that's exactly what we, we ponder all the time, isn't it? Do we worship what we've been given or do we worship the one who gives it? That's a great phrase. Good for you. The second thing that was incredibly incredibly, incredibly significant about this particular story is it did what? It introduced us to what? It, yes, I, that's right. It's, it, it introduced us into the, the, the substitution 
okay? The ram. And that set the stage for what was going to happen all the way up into Jesus, isn't it? Is that, is that there, is, there is death because of your sin. There is you've done wrong. There is all those different things. But God said, I'm going to send a, sacri- a substitution for that. And the substitute for you and I and for all the world who believes is Jesus. That's exactly right. Okay, then throughout the time, the promise needed to be confirmed over and over again because as Abraham died and his sons took over and then they died and their sons took over and so on and so forth, we have this thing going on on a regular basis. And so we have the promise that was reaffirmed and said over and over again to different people, okay? And God did that and he was incredibly faithful to make sure that they knew that this is what I'm going to do. Okay, so we made the covenant and then we see that God kept the covenant, God said, I'm going to make sure that things go on so that you understand that these things take place. And so the next big story, the stolen blessing, and that, that involved who? Jacob and Esau. That's exactly right. And it was the whole thing about obedience and following and trickery. But the lesson behind it was God was going to do what God was going to do in blessing who God was going to bless, Okay. And the other lesson is, is that there's a right way and a wrong things to do things all the time. Okay, and they did some things that were really wrong, but the reason why God blessed was because it was an unconditional covenant, and I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. Isn't that good? God's going to work even when you mess up. God's not going to take your sin and throw you away and say, well, that person is useless forever now. God's not going to take your sin and say, well, because I wanted to use that person in this area, but they wouldn't cooperate with me, I'm never going to use them again because they blew it. God doesn't do that. God does not say because that person didn't do what I asked them to do and do the things I wanted to be done so that this would be accomplished. God doesn't say, therefore, I'm going to stomp my feet and they're going to get nothing. He doesn't do that either. God has great love for us, and we can learn that a great lesson in our lives about that, can't we? That God does that thing for us. Okay? Then we have this whole thing about Jacob's new name, and Jacob's name was changed to Israel. That's exactly right. And he, ha- he spent a night doing what? Wrestling with God. Okay, what does that teach us? What's kind of the deal behind that story? Have you ever wrestled with God? God's going <laughs> to win. Have you ever wrestled with God? The answer is yes, <laughs> you have. All right. I, I think it's a too. I think it's okay that God says that it is okay to wrestle with me. I think that it's okay that God says, I understand you're struggling with what's going on in your life, but we need to work our way through this thing, and at the end, you're going to come to grips with the fact that I am God, and, and every once in a while, you're going to be reminded of it the rest of your life, kind of what this was, because his hip was a problem the rest of his life then. Okay, that's exactly right. Every once in a while we wrestle with God. Why do we wrestle with God? We want our way. That's exactly right. And there are times when we want our way, but we understand that God's way is best, but I'm struggling with that right now. Okay? That's exactly right. There's two, there's two things that go on in life. One is I want my way, and I'm going to walk away from God, and I'm not going to listen to God anymore, and I'm, not going to, and I'm going to do my own thing. The second thing is I want my way, but I know what God's truth is. I know what God says, and I'm struggling with it right now, and I need to work my way through that thing. Okay? And God and gave him a new, and he, it was a new start, and the nation was going to be called Israel from now on. Okay, and so we understand that the country that we know about in the Middle East goes all the way back to this, and it was called, it was called Israel. Then God did an amazing thing with a fellow named Joseph. What did he do with him? He what? He threw him in a pit. <laughs> he ultimately sent him to Egypt. Was it a pleasant journey? No. Was it fun? No. Was it what he really wanted? No. Why did God do it? I'm sure all those answers were right. Okay? It was to preserve the nation. It was to have a nation. It was to get the nation so they could go into a place so that God could build up a nation and do some remarkable things. What do we learn here? What's the uh, amazing lesson that we learn here? He says, even though things don't go the way we think they ought to, God is still in charge and God is still working. What else? There's another lesson. 
Sometimes bad things lead to good things. Sometimes God's even using those bad things, isn't he, so that he can accomplish some things, okay? And, and, and so the bottom line here is that you don't know what's going on in your life for what reason right now, and you won't know until it's all done, and you may not even know then. So therefore, as you're dealing with what's going on in your life, how should you deal with it? Huh? Trust. Very good. Obey. Walk as you ought. Allow God to do what God is doing in your life. Maybe he's accomplishing some great things, and you don't want to be the person that's throwing that hissy fit and not seeing God accomplish some things. Yes, sir? God may use one person to save a whole nation. We're going to see that later on. That's exactly right. Okay? Okay? After that, then, um, we have this thing, and, and this is kind of, and as we do this project, obviously, they jumped around a little bit. You can see there's different passages in there. But one of the things that happened with Joseph before he was sold to Egypt was that he had some dreams. He had some dreams, and these dreams then came true. Okay, these dreams came true, and many of the, the dreams were all around about the fact that his brothers were going to bow down to him, and he was going to have authority over them. Well, that didn't set too well when the baby of the family is saying that, right? Okay, and we'll see this over and over again throughout um, the Old Testament as well, is God doesn't always use those that the world would use. In fact, it says very clearly with the story with David that God looks at the heart or the inside and the world looks at the outside. They make all of their choices based upon the outside. God makes his choices based upon the inside and God has a different way of, of doing that. And this is one of those lessons as well that Joseph was chosen to do some amazing, remarkable things. So we see that he kept the covenant, and one of the reasons he kept, one of the ways he kept the covenant was to make a nation of Israel, take them to Egypt so they could build up and be this remarkable nation, and then God the Redeemer, God who's going to buy back, God who's going to take care of, okay? So the nation's now in Egypt, they're slaves in Egypt, and along came, comes a guy named Moses. And Moses is born and lives and has an interesting life, and eventually he has an encounter that we would call the burning the burning bush. That's exactly right. Where he met God face to face, and God said what to him in effect? What do I want you to do? What? Yeah, he takes sandals off because they're on holy ground. That's exactly right. The essence of the message was, I want you to... I want you to deliver Israel. I want you to go, and, and you're going to be the one that's going to get Israel out of this place because they were slaves 400 years. What a horrible place. God's chosen people were slaves. That won't work. Well, it did for a while, and then God said it's time to be delivered. Okay? Now, there's two things that are incredibly important in this story that help us understand life today and, and throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the first one is God said, who should I say sent me, and God said, I am that I am. Tell them I am sent me. And then Jesus was able to say to those that were attacking him and, and trying to stop him from doing his ministry, before Abraham was, I am. Making the declaration that he was God. Okay, that was pretty significant. The other thing that was incredibly significant, we talk about the Gospel Project seeing Jesus on a regular basis. When Moses went into Egypt to deliver them from slaves, what was that looking forward to? Jesus delivering us. That's exactly right. From our very poor place that we were in, he was going to deliver us. Exactly right. So Moses came along. And then in order to get the nation of Israel out of Egypt, God needed to do something because... The Egyptian leader was a pretty stubborn dude, right? And so he did what? He did the ten plagues. What? Say it. The ten plagues. That's exactly right. He did the ten plagues. And one of the things that, that we looked at, and obviously this was a long time ago when we looked at that, is every one of the plagues did what? It attacked a god of Egypt. Every one of them. Okay? And eventually... The last one was what? Death of the firstborn, except for the nation of Israel, if they did what? They took the blood and they put it on the sides and the top of the door. The angel of death then passed over that house. That, of course, was looking forward to Jesus Christ 
dying on the cross for us. Okay? Because what did they use for that? A what? A lamb. And that was celebrated year after year after year after year after year. And then John the Baptist and Jesus burst upon the scene. And John the Baptist looked at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. And it went all the way back to this thing, okay? The Old Testament is constantly pointing toward Jesus Christ, constantly want us to understand that it's one big picture, that God had a plan, that he was working this, and that God is the Redeemer. And then, of course, they left Egypt and they went through the Red Sea, right? And they, and they crossed through on dry ground, and the Egyptian army then tried to follow them, and they were drowned, all right? And it was a remarkable thing. And one of the reasons why the nation of Israel had such great success as they went into the promised land and as they did things was because word got out, you don't want to mess with these people. Let me tell you what happened with Egypt. Because God was on their side. Okay? Then we find out that after they, are, uh, they cross over and they do their things, they're in the wilderness. And why are, what, are, what is the reason? Why are they in the wilderness? Uh, lack of faith and, and they have some problems and we'll... we'll deal with some of that specifically later on but right now they were just wandering in the wilderness and so the question in the wilderness with this 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 thing that went on and you can see the picture here what's in the picture quails and the reason why the quails are there is because the people were given what by God manna and it was this little bread type stuff and after a while what did the people say I want meat yeah I'm sick of manna I want meat and so God said I'll give you a little meat. And these birds came, and it was an incredible mess, and they had tons of birds. The question here with this thing in the wilderness test, and here's the question, and it goes back to what was mentioned earlier. Are we, are we worshiping the provision or the provider? The question with these guys with their manna was, is, good, is God good enough? Is God good enough? Was the, was the manna everything they needed? Yes. Was it everything they wanted at that moment? There's our problem right there, isn't it? Is God good enough? Is God good enough for me? Is God good enough for you? Or do I think that, no, I need more? And understand that I really don't need more. I just want more. Okay? So that's what that test was all about. We'll get to the disobedience in the wilderness in a little while. Then... Um, Moses goes up to the mountain to meet with God, and what happens at the bottom of the mountain? That's exactly right. They made an idol and worshipped the idol. And why did they do that? Does anybody remember? What were they saying at the bottom of the mountain while Moses was up there? He's, not, he's been there gone too long. Not going to come back. We need to do something else. Let's, let's, let's do something else. Let's make our own God. Okay? What's the lesson for us today? That's exactly right. Don't worship anything other than God and make sure that you allow God to do what God does in God's time. He doesn't do it in your time. He doesn't in his time. And a lot of times what we do is we start off doing the right thing, don't we? And we're on board and we're doing our thing. Hey, we can, this is an easy one. This is, it's the end of January. At the beginning of January, many of us decide that I'm going to read the Bible every day or I'm going to exercise every day. And in fact, Doris and I were laughing about this here when we put out the calendars here about two months ago about the, the Bible reading calendars. And I, and I confess to you, and I confess to you, I don't know how many times, I, I have read Genesis and Exodus and part of Leviticus multiple times in my life. Because you kind of start off, don't you? <laughs> and then it kind of, oh, Judges, I should maybe read Judges. <laughs> or, you know, in a way, anyway. We tend to do that, don't we? We, we? we grow a little weary. And in the New Testament, there's a ver great verse in there that says what? Don't grow weary in doing good. And that's our problem. And when we grow weary doing good, oftentimes we turn to bad. We really do. We turn to something else. And that's one of the lessons from the golden calf. So anyway, so we had the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are broken down into two groups. And the first one is love God. And the second one is love others, okay? And so the Ten Commandments, you guys know the Ten Commandments? No other gods, no idols, God's name is holy, and remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, the first one. The next one is, for people, it's honor your mother and your father, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not um, uh, bear false witness, and do not covet, okay? 
the Ten Commandments. And those commandments are pretty important, aren't they? God really based the, what he was going to do on those commandments as he developed this nation. And those are incredibly important things. And so then what they had was they needed to build something for God. And the, the lesson here was that a holy God needed to be among sinful people. And in order to do that, they needed to do the tabernacle. Okay? God needed a special place. All right? And the lesson for us today as we look forward into our lives is what? God still needs a special place. And what does God do in order to make that special place? Gives us the Holy Spirit. God redeems. God deals with sin, and then that's his special place. And as God lives inside of us, he's done that by redeeming us, by taking away our sin, and he lives inside of us. And so as we look at the tabernacle and we think, man, that's a remarkable thing. Well, ye, all of us who know Jesus Christ, we're tabernacles today. He lives inside of us. Okay? He has done a great thing. All right? Then, God, the question throughout the book, uh, throughout Leviticus, is how in the world do unholy people approach a holy God? And the answer was through sacrifices. Tithes and offerings and sacrifices is really the big answer, okay? That's how God did it throughout the, that's what Leviticus is all about. How does an unholy people approach a holy God? It's through their offerings and their sacrifices. That's what it amounts to, all right? How do people approach a holy God today? Through Christ, the sacrifice. You see how the whole Bible is constantly pointing toward Jesus Christ? Constantly pointing toward Jesus Christ. We've seen this one over and over again. We're going to see it a few more times. What, what do we need to do? Worship only God. And in the passage in Deuteronomy, if you read Deuteronomy in there, it is a passage that is full of blessings and cursings. And so if you do this, you'll be blessed. If you do this, you'll be blessed. If you do this, God will curse upon you. If you do this, you'll be cursed. If you do this, you'll be cursed. Blessing and cursing, blessing and cursing, is they needed to learn that there's consequences to your actions. Are there consequences to our actions still today? You better believe there are. You know one of the biggest problems that goes on today in life and is one of the worst things that, that happens is that we, we choose an action and then the consequence from that action, which is set up in life because there are consequences to our action, that consequence comes into our life and what do we often do then? We blame God for what's going on in our life when we need to stop and understand that my action brought a consequence and that's the price I pay many times for my action. Okay, Generally speaking, it's not God's fault. It's your fault for making the choice that you made. Okay? Worship only God, and life goes a lot better with you. Okay? And the older we all get, the more we know that. So you young people, trust us. Worship God. Life goes better. Okay? Stay away from sin. It's a bad thing. God reminds his people of his covenant over and over again. Throughout the Old Testament, we have remember this. Deuteronomy is a repeat. That book, much of Deuteronomy is repeating what went on earlier so that they would remember. Why do we need things repeated to us? <laughs> we forget all the time, don't we? All the time. All the time. And we need to be reminded of things regularly, and the Bible does that. It's why you should read the Bible over and over again. It's why you read some of the same commands in different portions of the Bible. And then we're introduced to God the Savior. We saw God the Redeemer, now God the Savior. And so we have Joshua and Caleb. And what's going on here? What, what did these guys do? What was the story here? They were spies. How many spies went into land? Okay, 12. 12 went in, okay. And they went in and, and they were supposed to spy out the land. And how many came out with a bad report? Ten. Ten. How many came out with a good report? Two. Ten were bad and two were good. So they went in to do that, and, and the guys who came with the bad report, in other words, they came out and they said, it is a tremendously wonderful place. It's awesome. But what did they see? What did the tin see? They saw, well, no, wait, they, it was still a good place. They saw the good stuff in it, but what did they see? The giants and the fortified cities. And they said, we can't do it. The, the other two, they saw that it was a good place, and they saw the goodness of it far more than they saw the giants in the fortified city. And so the lesson that we learn here is what? Be optimistic. Be optimistic. 
trust God. Don't be, don't be allowing the giants, because there are giants everywhere. Don't be allowing them to make your decision for you. Okay? And we do that sometimes. And so Joshua and Caleb are, are heroes of our faith because they went in and they, they trusted God. And they said, you know what? God will take care of us. It will be a good thing. Well, there were some problems as they were wandering around in the wilderness, obviously. And there was a time when some sin took place and people were dying. And the solution to that was God said make a bronze snake and put it on something. And when the people look to that snake, they will live. What was the lesson there? What? Say it. We have to look to Christ. That's right. It was exactly right. It was, it was looking forward to the fact that sin destroys and sin kills, but there is something you need to look to that will take that sin away. That's exactly right. Do you think that there were people in the nation of Israel that refused to do that? You better believe there were. Sure there were. I'm not going to go look at some stupid snake. Right? I don't feel good. I, my legs, I can't. I can't. I'm not going to do it. You bet they did. There's always been people that have refused to do what God said is a solution for life. And, and he said, and it was pointing toward Christ, that the Bible says that Christ became sin for us. And the Bible in the New Testament, you could use that phrase very easy, easily of look and live. Look to Christ and live. Well, then there was the promised land, and they finally moved into the promised land. They went to it, and they came to a place called Jericho. And there were two phenomenal things that happened here. We only talk about one of them usually. But do you understand that they crossed over a river to get to this point too? And God made that a miraculous crossing. And then they got to the city of Jericho, and what did they find? Walls, big walls. And God said, I'll take care of that for you. In fact, when he was talking to Joshua, he said, see, I've given you Jericho. And what Joshua was looking at was some pretty serious um, walls that were around this city that were taking care of it. And God said, I've given you that city already. Don't you worry, that city's yours. And God gave that to him in a most unusual way, didn't he? They walked around it, and they walked around it, and they did that for seven days, and they were incredibly quiet. And finally, on the last day, they walked around it seven times, and then they shouted and blew their trumpets and their horns and had a great big wild party, and the walls fell in. Out. Sorry, the walls fell out. Okay, and the walls fell out, and they just wandered on in the city, and they took over. And the lesson that we learned there more than anything is what? What? God's doing it. And here's the thing, though, that's important. You've got to go one step further. When God says, that's yours, when God says, I'll do it, God means it. Okay? And that's exactly what he did here, and, and we learned that. Then we come to another sad time. There was a lot of sad times with the nation of Israel. Okay? There was somebody who sinned, and, and it was revealed to them that somebody had sinned, and it was a guy named Achan, and, and they went to war, and they were defeated, and it was a horrible thing. And the thing that we learn here almost more than anything is that your sin almost always affects more people than you. Okay? You do not live in a vacuum. You do not sin in a vacuum. Your sin will almost always affect more people than you. And one of the things that we need to, a, a great phrase for us is, is there, there might be sin in the camp. We need to deal with the sin in the camp. Are we living the way that God wants us to live? And your sin affects other people. Okay? Everybody in your family, sometimes everybody in your church, sometimes everybody in your community, sin's a horrible thing. Okay? It's not just that you're doing this minor little thing. Sin's ugly, big, mean, and has huge ramifications. Joshua's going to, um, the, the message here is be strong. Be strong, okay, as, uh, as life goes on. And, and that's a message for us today is be strong. Uh, be strong. God knows what he's doing. Hang on to God. Um, there are some bumps in the road. There are some difficulties, but be strong. God knows what he's doing. Well, because, because the people sinned so much, oftentimes God needed to judge the, the nation of Israel, and God had to deal with them. And so God, uh, God did that with his people, and, and we're introduced into um, a handful of judges here. And what God did is he raised up people to take care 
of the sin. And so there was a cycle that we read about in, in the book of Judges. It was sin, they would sin, they would be quiet, they would ignore God for a while. Then they would, they would be thrown into a time when they were captive of some other nation, servitude, and then they would cry out to God, please help us. Okay? And that cycle went on seven times in the book of Judges, and that's a cycle that happens in our life often also. When we sin and don't repent of it, we're silent toward God. Then we understand that we start paying some consequences and some things. Life isn't going so well, and we recognize that this is not a good thing, and we cry out to God. Okay? And we would, we would be better off to re realize that I need to run away from that sin to start with rather than go through that, that cycle. And throughout the book of Judges, we see that, that it is being pointed to, the, the book of Judges is pointing toward the, the righteous judge every time. It's being pointed to Jesus every time, Jesus. So that just some, some judges that went on, there was Deborah and Barak, and then there was Gideon. And we learned some interesting things with Gideon, that God is going to do what God's going to do, and God's going to get the victory. Samson, again, God's going to get the victory. Samson was a guy that wasn't willing to be humble, was he? And he paid the price for it. Yet God still worked through Samson because God's going to work. And, but the, it's always being pointed to there's going to be a redeemer, there's going to be a deliverer, and that's going to be Jesus. Then we're introduced to, to, to Ruth and Boaz. And what, what, what is this story all about? It, it's redemption. It is the Gentiles, but it's a story of redemption, isn't it? It's a, it's a story of love and redemption. Who does that point to? Jesus Christ. It is also people outside of Israel a little bit, isn't it? Who does that point to? Jesus Christ bringing in and, and, and going beyond the nation of Israel on a regular basis. We see constantly, um, Ruth is, the book of Ruth is one of those fascinating books that, that you don't read about God very much in it, but you read about his, his fingerprints are all over it. Okay? Because it's all about pointing toward Jesus and all about the big picture. That God is the Redeemer and God's going to do these wonderful things. And God is going to sustain things and keep things going. Listen, as you read the Old Testament, you see that God worked and kept things alive and made his plan come to pass. You need to not worry about whether God's plan is going to come to pass or not. It's going to come to pass. God's doing his thing. The next one is Eli and Samuel when he was a boy. And what's the lesson here? Anybody remember? Listen to God's voice and respond. That's exactly right. That's exactly what we need to do. Listen. Be ready. Be ready to hear and to follow. And it took them a little while to figure out that it was God, but then they started following. Then we see that God is the king in the Old Testament. Israel demanded a king. Why did Israel demand a king? They wanted to be like other people. What is my problem sometimes and what is your problem sometimes? I'll be like other people. I'll be like everybody. And God says, God says, now Kent, the best thing for you as a follower of me is to, is to walk down this path right here. And I look around and I say, well, there's only like five people on this path, but there's 120 people on this path. I'll be with everybody else. I'll be with the cool kids. And God says, I, I want you to walk down that path. I don't, but I wanna. And so did God give him a king? Was it a good thing? No. It's a bad thing. And God even said it's going to be a bad thing. It's going to be a bad thing. Don't do it. Don't do it. We're introduced to a guy named Saul. And Saul is, um, the best way to remember Saul is Saul had a half a heart for God. Okay? Saul didn't have a whole heart for God at all. He had a half a heart for God. He was never sold out to God. Half heart for God. And eventually he was rejected as the king because he was disobedient. Okay? Because he didn't have a whole heart for God. You need to have a whole heart for God. We can't have this half-heart stuff. It'll, it'll, it'll get us in the end. David then came along, and one of the neat stories about David was he fought a fellow named Goliath. And he used the stones, didn't he, in his slingshot, what he had been trained in and what he knew. But who killed the giant for who did that? It was God doing it through David, wasn't it? And we learned an interesting lesson with this one too, and it's what we already talked about, is that God looks at the heart and man looks at the outside because they all looked at David and said you can't do anything you're no good and David was able to accomplish some great things God God's choices are different than our choices many times and then we learn this great story we saw this great story of, of David and Jonathan become friends okay 
you were not designed, you were not created, you were not made to be alone. You were designed, you were created, you were made. You function best when you have friends in your life. The only real question is, what kind of friends are you going to have? We all have friends. What kind of friends are you going to have? In First, in First Corinthians chapter 15, it says, evil company, anybody know it? Corrupts good morals. Evil company corrupts good morals. Be very careful about the friends you choose. But you need friends, and you need to have good friends. And David and Jonathan became very good friends, and it's a fascinating, wonderful story. And then God made a covenant with David, and he said um, that what I'm going to do is that is God's people need a good, godly ruler. Um, they need somebody that's going to lead them, and David was the one. And at this point, we begin to see the physical line to Jesus laid out very clearly. And when you read the physical line to Jesus in the Gospels, it goes back to David. Now it goes a little bit further also, but David was one of the key ones here. We begin to see that that's an important thing, that, 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 the, that the, the throne would never leave David's family. And Jesus is on that throne today. That's a promise that God made. Then we see that David, being a great guy who had a whole heart for God, what did he do? He sinned. He sinned. And he sinned bad. Not only did he commit adultery with Bathsheba, but what did he do to Bathsheba's husband? Had him killed. He murdered him. That's exactly right. And he lied about it and he hid it. And he did all sorts of horrible things here. But we see in this story that even though David sinned in some terrible ways and he paid the price, okay, there were consequences. Did God still love David? Very much so. What happened in David's life that him and God were back where they needed to be? He confessed. David confessed. He confessed and repented. And that's the lesson that we need in our life today too, isn't it? We confess, we repent, we're back where we need to be. It goes on and we see that God is all wise. We start seeing some interesting things about the wisdom um, books in the, in the Bible, which are um, Psalms and Proverbs and, and Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Solomon was David's son, and God came to Solomon and said, Solomon, I want to give you anything you want. And what did Solomon want? He wanted wisdom. He wanted to be able to rule well. He wanted wisdom, and he knew that if he had that wisdom, life would be a good thing. Um, and wisdom is the right use of knowledge. We need to ask God for wisdom all the time. You might be smart, but you might not be wise. God, give me wisdom. Help me to do the right thing here. He, uh, he wanted wisdom for, for God's people. He wanted to know how to live. Solomon then built the temple. The tabernacle was the traveling place where God lived. They needed a permanent home now that Israel was established and, the, and things were grand in Israel. And so Solomon built the temple so that God could live in that place on a regular basis. And then Solomon blew it and his sin divided the kingdom as well. Okay, and, and then he did some bad things. He tried his own to do things his own way. He ignored God's laws. He, he messed around way too much with idols and women who were not his wife. Way too much. And he got into big trouble because of that. And so God took the kingdom and he divided it and he took it away from Solomon. And then we have the wisdom literature and we have um, the book of Ecclesiastes. We have the book of Job. What's the big lesson with Job? What? Say again. Trials are going to come. Sovereignty of God. That's yep. That there's a battle and. Yep, absolutely. And and what you do is you have Job who's beat up, bruised, and bloody, but he's in the hand of God. Okay. And Job was a guy that that kept his faith even through the difficulties of life. There were... Oh, very good. Sometimes bad things are not consequences of our actions. Sometimes bad things happen because we live in a bad world. Sometimes bad things happen because God is doing a great work. Sometimes bad things work, happen because of Satan. Very good. That's exactly right. Uh-oh. Oh, oh phew, that my little clicker was gone. Psalms. 
The book of Psalms is just a, a psalm, a, a book of praises and songs. God the revealer, God shows himself over and over again. We have Elijah confronts evil Ahab. Elijah was a spokesman and he stood up against the strongest, most powerful people in the world. And he said, God's on my side and I'm going to speak for God and I'm going I'm to I'm tell, I'm going to do the right thing here. And he did it. And then what happened was some things happened and and, and, and the king and the queen, they said, we're going to get you. And so he ran away. He ran away. And he got to a place. And what did he say when he ran away? What? I'm the only one. He was stood and faced them. And then when he was a little discouraged, he said, I'm the only one. Nobody else. I'm the only one. And he was alone at this moment. And that's a bad place to be. When you're discouraged... And when you're down, you need to be around other people. They're going to encourage you. And God ministered to him. And one of the things that we learned that's incredibly important, it's just a rule of life, is that God fed him and had him sleep. He fed him and had him sleep. You need to make sure that you, are, that you have the proper kind of food and you are, and you are sleeping properly. Um, otherwise, you won't make good decisions in life. Okay? And that's just a lesson that we learned from the Bible that God said, what you need is some nourishment and some rest right now, and life will look different. And that is exactly how it is over and over again. Yeah. Remember who we belong to. That's a, yep, remember who we belong to. That's exactly right. All righty. we got to stop because it's time. We will continue with this. We'll, fi- we'll pick up right here um, with the next one, Elijah and Nanam. And then we'll go into the New Testament next week, and, and we'll do our best to finish next week. Hopefully that we'll do that. Sunday school teachers, your, your new material will be in your room next Sunday. So you'll have a week advance um, with that new material. And so next week we'll do this again. We'll finish up this, and we'll go into the New Testament, and hopefully we'll, we'll finish it all next week. All right? Hopefully you see this flow. and I, You just need to understand the Bible. You need to be able to walk through the Bible. Okay? I, that's, just, that's what we need to do. Okay? All of these are on the wall down the hall. You can go. We're going to leave them there. You can review. You can look at them. You can see them. You can see the story of God at work. And we're going to leave those up there for a really long time. Father, thanks for our time together this morning. Thank you for the Bible and, and for how you teach us what the Bible says and you make it come alive for us. And thank you that it, it's all tied together and it all makes sense. You are a remarkable, magnificent God. We thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.